Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hey there, coming up on the podcast, Ron Dierico, president of Impact Security on all these thefts at Liquor Marts. My weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, will join us. More snow in the forecast. There's a new baby at Assiniboia Park Zoo. We'll talk about it with Allison Ginsberg and Matthew Johnson from M3 Aerial Productions tells us about the Western Drone Show May 3rd here in Winnipeg. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Take a few minutes here with Ron Dierico, president of Impact Security. We'll talk uh, more about the liquor stores here. Good afternoon, Ron. Good afternoon, Hal. Hi, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. So you run a private security company in town. I'm curious to know your reaction to this story. It's been around for a while. We keep hearing about how liquor stores are getting robbed. What do you think the solution might be? Well, I think the solution's actually uh, presented itself, Hal. I I think that uh, security and... uh, Private security companies and uh, law enforcement seem to be finally found the bridge and uh, they're communicating with each other. Um, I definitely think it's a great sign of Winnipeg police going into these uh, retail stores. And uh, the results have been uh, amazing. The city should be commended on uh, the great efforts and the results have been uh, amazing. But do we have enough cops, even though they're off-duty? Do we have enough off-duty cops or these special uh, special constables that, uh, you know, the liquor marts or companies can hire and, and pay a fee? Do we have enough of them? I mean, people want cops on buses now. They want cops everywhere. Well, you know what, uh, Hal? I, I guess we can never have enough police force. Uh, to be honest with you, the police, Winnipeg is actually one of the uh, best cities for uh, policing uh, in the, the country. Um, and I know a fair about uh, the, the industry, and uh, I can tell you that the response from the police and the uh, incentives and the, the the people that they've uh, deployed into these assignments have been nothing short of but uh, but amazing. So, tell me, when you've got somebody working for Impact Security. And they're in a situation, you don't have the liquor store contract, but you must have people in retail situations. What do you tell them? What's their, um, uh, what have they been told to do if somebody comes in and, and robs the store? Do you, do you just let it happen? Or wh- what is the uh, policy at impact? I'm curious. Well, the policy has always been to maintain uh, public uh, vigilance, uh, observe, serve, and protect. And uh, whatever the mandates of the clients are, uh, we follow the, the regulations to a T. Some clients prefer to have a, um, a no-hands-on policy. Uh, it seems to be the, the norm in this day and age. And uh, But, you know, we do have uh, programs with the Winnipeg Police for that where uh, they'll be in plain clothes in uh, the store or they'll be in plain clothes in uh, the area. And uh, they're there to assist in the communication with the uh, uh, security and the uh, police at an all-time high, and it seems to be working. The results, the apprehensions, um, seems to be showing itself. Uh, I think the problem is being solved as fast as it's coming. So you like the idea of these off-duty officers in liquor marts. You think that's the best solution? Absolutely. It's a great solution. It's uh, working well. It's uh, protecting uh, the well-being of the public. We don't need to see... Uh, 
uh, security and uh, you know to the shoplifters get into a free for all outside the store or inside the store, it definitely doesn't put anyone's uh, uh, best interest at place when physical um, activity is demonstrated. I think this is a, a great approach and uh, it, it definitely is showing results where these uh, situations are being resolved without uh, any violence. What's the issue uh, with a private company like Impact Security, your company, Run? What's the issue, no hands-on? Is it a liability issue? Is that essentially what it comes down to? If one of your uh, security guards puts a hand on somebody, you might get sued. Is, is that the problem? Is that why uh, a part of the issue here with the liquor marts? No, I think it's just basically it's, it's public uh, perception on how uh, the program works. I think when you have the credibility of the police performing these attacks, uh, you know that it's being resolved and it's actually being enforced with a, a, a proper uh, enforced uh, step-by-step apprehension and it's going to have uh, long-term results. I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to uh, is that we can have security in these stores but the end result is that we have to get the police involved anyway. So it's just kind of brokering the middleman uh, right to the point where we work, we report, the police are aware, they see. And while we're giving them the information, they're actually conducting the case from that point on and they take over right to the apprehension. Ron, thanks for your help on this. I appreciate it. Not a problem, my friend. Have a good afternoon. Uh, Bruce Johnson, my weather expert buddy, uh, joins us now to chat weather because we got some snow in the forecast. Hi, Bruce. Hi, how are you? How much snow? Very much? Not a whole lot. It it looks like right now maybe 3 to 5 tonight, 1 to 3 tomorrow, maybe 1 tomorrow night, and maybe another 1 to 3 Wednesday. All of that added up would be somewhere between 6 and 12, but that's over a two-day period, and as opposed to southeastern Minnesota and Wisconsin, places like that, where they're going to get a lot more because that Colorado low is down there, uh, we'll, we'll be doing pretty well. Bottom line is, if we don't have to shovel tonight or tomorrow, we will definitely have to in the next few days because we could have 10 to 15 centimeters more snow on the ground. Right. It will be a shovelable amount, but it will not be a big dumping of snow and it's that light fluffy stuff so it's not going to be heavy and really hard shoveling but um, it's just more more of the same but not that much of it but they're they're setting all kinds of records in seattle right now they had two daily snow records you know snowfall amount records last week a record low yesterday morning the most snow on the ground ever at SeaTac airport since they keep kept records there at, on that particular date so it's uh it's pretty cold out there. That's not usual. Last time I remember it snowing this much in Seattle, Portland, it's Portland's rain now, but they'll go back to snow. Probably was 68, 69 winters, so that's a couple years ago. Yeah, they're not used to getting snow like that. Oh, no. They just wait for it. Normally, they just wait for it to melt, but uh, it's not melting in Seattle, and they're going, hey, we can't do anything. Yeah, that would be similar to Vancouver, right, their weather? Very much. Yeah. And then other places, I mean, you know, here I am kind of going, oh, geez, you know, more snow. But other places in Canada are getting a lot more snow than that. So I guess we should, you know, thank our lucky stars. Right, because this next system, north and east of Toronto, they will get more, a lot more than we're going to get. And so that's, you know, that part of Canada will get hit. We'll get just you know, a little bit. It'd be 
you know, flurries, but it's not that wet, heavy snow. That stuff's really a pain, and it's a lot slicker on the road. It's wet, slushy stuff, and, and uh, it, um, it's a lot harder to deal with, and it's not much fun to shovel. I've broken lots of shovels with that stuff before. Yeah, I had you on last week. The new El Nino numbers were out, and the El Nino continues to weaken, and we'll see, you know, what that means. So far, I think it's been meaning a little more winter and, uh, you know, not so much the benefits that come along with an El Nino. But what else have you uh, figured out since we chatted last about our our winter? Is it going to continue? Of course, all the groundhogs said spring was on its way. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I like to, hopefully my reputation is better than that of a groundhog. But <laughs> uh, my face might not be better, but hopefully my reputation is. Um, what I'm thinking is, that is signaling with us stuff going on in well Vancouver's cold they're not really getting much snow there but it's very cold Seattle's cold and snowy and so forth and that lets me know that this El Nino is has weakened because it's allowing the cold air to get way to the west so it makes me think we won't get an early spring and then the fact that we've got all this snow on the ground that slows spring down as well because it takes longer to melt all the snow because rays from the sun get bounced off the white surface and it doesn't heat up. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else before I let you go? No, not really. Okay. But, uh, it, it's going to stay cold. It's going to be, you know, a little bit warmer today and tomorrow, but then back into the mid minus teens for highs and you know, minus 18 to 24 for lows o- over the period. So it's not crazy cold, like minus 30, minus 40, yeah. but it's, you're not going to be walking around in shorts unless you've got some screws loose. Yeah, right. And more snow. All right, Bruce. Thanks a lot, pal. All right. Talk to you later. Allison Ginsberg is the curator of animal care at Assiniboine Park Zoo, and she joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Allison. Good afternoon. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. And we've got some exciting news. We sure do. Absolutely. On um, February 4th, we were blessed with, in addition to our our animal crew, uh, we had a brand new baby, white-handed gibbon, that was born. All right. So tell us about gibbons. They're a primate, right? They are primate, absolutely. Um, They're a lesser ape. And they are found in, throughout Southeast Asia. Um, the really amazing thing about them is they, and one of the most distinguishing features are their very long arms and hands, which give them to the ability to do what we call brachiating, which is swinging from one tree branch to another at amazing speeds. And mom is Maya, dad is Samson. Correct, mom, mom, Samson, yep. Yep, just like in real life, dad's uh, doing nothing at this point. Uh, but mom and, and baby are okay? Everybody is doing very well. <laughs> actually, one of the great things about Sam is while he's not doing anything, he's it's a good thing, actually, because he's giving mom time to bond with the baby. There you so go. So we don't actually want him being too much in the way, but he's come over and investigated. And actually just having him present with Maya is calming for her because they, um, Gibbons actually typically pair up and mate for life. Um, so they, they're very accustomed to being with, another, with one another, and so having them together would actually is very normal for them. And you guys have had a lot of luck with uh, uh, Gibbons uh, because he, I think even mom was born at the zoo, right? She sure was. Absolutely. She was born um, in 2011 um, to um, Mel and Manju, and they lived here before they were transferred due to us uh, at that time closing our, our primate house. 
But we um, got them back in 2017, and she was, well, at least we got Maya back, and she was joined up with Samson. And why do you suppose suppose you've had good luck at Assiniboine Zoo? You know, I think having successful breeding programs comes from a lot of different aspects, and that's really having the knowledge base with the animals, um, really paying attention to their needs, having a strong training program, an enrichment program. Um, Animals that are well-adjusted under human care usually uh, tend to breed well. Hmm. We're coming up on Valentine's Day on Thursday. I'm curious to know, what did you do to uh, help this new baby along at the zoo? Maybe there's some Valentine's Day advice in there. I'm curious <laughs> to know when you, when you want a baby given, what do you do? You get mom and dad to get, I mean, I, there has to be play more. Play music. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe play some, uh, what's his name with the deep voice? Uh, yeah, Kyle, right. Kyle Barry Mulray. White. Barry White. Thank you Barry very White. much. Play yeah, some know, Barry think, White music. I think they had a strong relationship. They really get along well together, Maya and Samson, and uh, they must have good communication. <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's the best answer all day on on uh, on the show. So um, I, I think that's it. We had a uh, we were talking about this earlier, and uh, my uh, friend and colleague here, Jeff Courier, was asking people, "What would you like to see at the zoo that's not there? What? Uh, how does that decision get made? I'm curious. Maybe you can't answer the question, but how do you decide what's next? And and I'm sure you're always looking for opportunities to bring different animals Absolutely. into the zoo. Eh? I can answer that. So we look at a lot of different factors. One is one of the most important is what is the conservation story behind the animal? When we want when we have guests come to our zoo, we want them to go home with a really big understanding of what animals are going through. Many of our animals are endangered species or are threatened species. So what is the conservation message behind it? And what are things that they can take home and make changes in their own life? So that's that's a big number one for us is what is the conservation asker story? And then two, we also try to look at animals. As we know, Winnipeg is pretty cold here. So we look at animals that tend to be more winter hardy, especially with our larger animals, our our larger hoofstock and larger carnivores, um, animals that can really adjust to being outdoors no matter the temperature. So those are those are some of the so those are two main um, aspects that we look at, and then there's lots of other different things that we look at that play into it. But I would say those are our two take homes. And what are some animals that you personally uh, would like to see here at the zoo? Oh, that's a big list. <laughs> You know, I think we have I think we have a really great population here. Um, seeing more native species, so even if we um, we in the past used to have um, black bears, so maybe having some black bears here, things that people may see in their yard, but we're still able to connect people, or not necessarily in their yard, but <laughs> in their area. Um, obviously, animals that are native to Manitoba uh, or about the area is very interesting. And again, then we could connect that conservation story so people can really understand their impact and what they do every single day on the animals that we share not only Manitoba with, but uh, our earth with. Yeah. Uh, no name yet for the baby? Nope, no name at this point. Um, we we still don't actually even know if it's male or female. Do you so need you some help with should... that? I could come and give you a hand with that if you want. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, actually, we, we really just kind of do a hands-off approach. We just give mom right. uh, really time for that bonding. We keep things very quiet and very simple and just watch and make sure um, that we're seeing all the signs that we want to see, which we have, which is baby holding on, baby starting to nurse, 
um, activity level for Maya being the same, all those things. And we, we, we're hitting all those milestones, which is fantastic, especially for a first-time mom. Do you think you might do a, a, a Name the Gibbon contest maybe? Maybe so. That'd be we fun. Like to get our, we like to get our, our visitors involved. Yeah. And uh, when can we see the new baby? Thursday. So at this point, they're getting used to the area and still having that time to bond. And then on Thursday, um, Valentine's Day, everybody can see um, our new love. Excellent. Allison, really good news. Thanks a lot for, for helping us out and having a bit of fun with us on the questions, too. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. Bye-bye. That is Allison Ginsberg. She is the uh, curator of animal care at Assiniboine Park Zoo. There is a new baby, white-handed gibbon at the zoo. No name. Uh, maybe that's uh, what you want to do for Valentine's Day. That is the first day you'll be able to see the new baby given at the zoo. Maybe go to the zoo and check out the baby given. And I have a feeling they are going to have a name the given contest. That's probably why they haven't. They don't even know if it's a girl or a boy yet. Good grief. Who's running the zoo in this town? <laughs> hey, I'm excited about this. The Western Drone Show is happening May 3rd right here in Winnipeg. Drone experts from right across the country, including those here, will be here in Winnipeg. I get to MC. I've got a drone. I love drones. Matthew Johnson has been on the show before. He's the CEO of M3 Aerial Productions. Matt, nice to see you again. Thanks for having me on the show, Hal. Well, and thank you for involving me in this. As you know, I've got a drone. I love drones. Uh, there's so much happening. I mean, we could talk for an hour and not talk about everything involving drones uh, right now. It's huge for educators. Maybe talk about some of the inroads you're making with drones in the classroom. Okay, yeah. So uh, when I was still teaching, I was teaching at Elmwood High School. Big shout out for Elmwood. Yeah. Uh, I used uh, drones to teach trigonometry in grade nine mathematics. You might go, how can you use a drone to teach trigonometry? Well, yeah. we got kids excited about using this new technology. We went out, we mapped the field. The kids were involved in in collecting the data, and then we looked at the data. We um, broke down, we were able to calculate uh, surface area and volumes and do a lot of really cool stuff just, yeah. just by getting them interested and involved in using this really cool new technology. Well, and they love playing around with the drones, right? And as you said, they're learning trigonometry, but they're doing it with a drone, right? Yep. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, uh, trig is one of those things that it, uh, it's like pulling teeth sometimes and, and to be able to get kids interested in it in five years of teaching math, Drones were the yeah. were the medium to get into the kids. Yeah, this uh, is for everybody. The Western Drone Show. If you're into drones, you got a drone. You want to get a drone. This is the show for you. It's coming up May third. But I know you really want to focus in on educators, and I know you've set aside a bunch of space for students as well. This is one of the areas you want to focus on with the Western Drone Show. Yeah, for sure. We've got a hundred a hundred spaces set aside specifically for students. Uh, that's high school, uh, even starting in grade six is what what this uh, program is kind of designed to uh, attract kids all the way from grade six to even into university. So right. that's what those hundred spaces are. And then we've got 250 spaces allotted for uh, educators and principals, superintendents, university professors, and then people from the drone industry and agriculture, uh, especially is one of the big focuses of the event to bring in uh, people interested in precision agriculture those guys using drones already to do inspections on their field and um, all those 
awesome applications. Talk about some of the applications because this is amazing. Is this true? I was reading that we're on the verge of a first drone taxi. Yeah, last uh, I, I got back from Dubai. They 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 flew me out to Dubai in November to to speak at this conference. Because uh, you're an expert. I mean, you're you're one of the top guys in the country on this. We're lucky to have you here. But yeah, so you go to Dubai and and what? Well, Dubai's been talking about having a drone taxi for the last couple of years. We got there. They said uh, they're still uh, a couple of years away. They're expecting to have drone taxis in operation by 2020. Shortly after I got back, there was a company out of New York that had an article that uh, released just in late November last year saying that they are expecting drone taxis before the end of this year, 2019. Wow. wow. And uh, so you mentioned agriculture is, I mean, this is, if you're, if you're a big farmer now or even not a real big farmer, I mean, a drone and the prices have dropped so much that there's, there's no way that you you can't afford to have a drone and be using it in your agriculture. Educators, as you said, we're, we're hoping to get a lot of teachers and a lot of students. So if your kid's really into, Mom, I want a drone, Mom, I want a drone, you're going to have people that can uh, help somebody make a decision on, on what drone they might have. I know that uh, Transport Canada is going to be at the drone show, uh, Western Drone Show. They're going to be talking about the new regulations which just came in last month, right? January 9th, uh, Transport Canada released the new regulations that won't actually come into effect until uh, June 1st. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be there, NAV Canada. Um, hopefully we're going to have uh, Unmanned Systems Canada. We've got a we've got a whole slate. There's a whole whole bunch of uh, really experts in the industry coming mm-hmm. to, to speak uh, about um, agriculture, like I said, and uh, GIS experts. We've got Dr. Paul Cooley, who's a who's a GIS expert. Um, we got Dr. Dion Wiseman from Brandon University. Brandon University is the first university in Western Canada to be uh, uh, offering a, a ground school program as part of their uh, advanced geomatics program. So they're actually students coming through their advanced geomatics classes are getting trained to operate drones and can actually go out and use them afterwards professionally. Hmm. Why is Manitoba sort of at the forefront with the drone industry, it seems? Uh, well, just south of Manitoba, we got North Dakota to compete with. They're kind of leading in the United States, so uh, we got to do what we can up here and uh, flex our, our relatively small muscles in comparison to what <laughs> they've got down there. Yeah, and there's a charity angle. So I'll just quickly mention the website if you want more info or, or anything. It's westerndrone.show, westerndrone.show. And then also talk about the charity angle here, Matt. Yeah, so uh, part of the conference is uh, we've got this amazing lunchtime event called Drones for Crones, hashtag Drones for Crones. You can find that on Twitter and Instagram. And what that is is an aerial photography contest. So if you're really interested in drones, uh, if you're if you got a, a neighbor or an uncle or uh, a relative who's using drones and they take pictures and they've actually got some really nice pictures, well, this Drones for Crones uh, contest will um, take submissions from all over Canada, all over the world, actually, and we're going to pick the best ones. Um, we've got uh, a panel of judges from Crones and Colitis Canada who are going to pick the the winners from the top eight uh, of eight categories, and then we're going to auction those off. We're going to enlarge them. Uh, Don's photo is going to be enlarging these photos for us, and we're going to auction them off at the conference. And uh, all the proceeds from that are going towards Crohn's and Colitis Canada. And then on the other uh, side of the uh, charity is um, um, I'm blanking there. 
Habitat for Humanity or right. the other one. So we're splitting yeah. uh, 100% of the proceeds are being split 50-50 between uh, Crohn's and Colitis Canada and uh, Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. So it's, so there's a good cause going along with this, and we're going to have people in town from right across the country, experts, but also people coming in for the Western Drone Show. This is going to be a big deal. It's May 3rd. Where are we having it? It's going to be at the uh, Victoria Inn Hotel and Conference Center, just right by the airport there on Wellington. Yeah. Hey, I uh, wanted to ask you something else while I've got you here. So we know uh, Winnipeg Fire is using drones. They've got uh, a drone that they use uh, in checking out fires from above. I've talked about this before. What do you think the idea uh, of this idea, you know, we've got the police helicopter, maybe a drone or two or three or more couldn't replace a police helicopter, but could it be effective in uh, in, in crime busting? Absolutely. There's... Um Probably half the applications that the helicopters use for could at least be supplemented by using drone technology. Um, there's just a little bit of the optics uh, dilemma there. People, they, the Big Brother, people are a little bit concerned about Big Brother watching them, and so I think the police are a little bit hesitant about getting into it. But there's other police departments all across Canada that are now using drones. Ottawa, Victoria, Vancouver, they're all jumped on the, the drone bandwagon because it, it's effective. It's uh, way cheaper than putting a helicopter in the air, and uh, it just it's it's more uh, versatile as well in, in many aspects. If you've got a system that can actually safely fly over people, which right now is one of those big limitations that Transport Canada is concerned about, but there's huge developments happening in the industry right now, like beyond visual line of sight and all these really neat breakthroughs um, that are really opening up the opportunities in the industry right now. So it's 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 the iron's hot and it's getting hotter and hotter as we continue to get through all this. How did you get into this with uh, M3 Aerial? You were a teacher at Elmwood, and, and at what point did you say, hey, this drone thing is going to take off. I'm going to get into that and teach that. Actually, at the time, I was a teacher at Dakota Collegiate. Okay. Big shout out for Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got into drones because I, I saw this video about uh, someone had posted a video on YouTube, and it was the first time that I saw that perspective that drones give you, and I got I was just absolutely blown away by it. Um, I hadn't seen that angle before being able to, it was that who shot at Pinawa Dam and it was, uh, someone flying right over the dam, right over the trees, shots that, a, a, a helicopter could not get. And the clarity and just the camera wasn't shaking at all. It was just perfectly still, just it looked like the camera's floating, which it is. Uh, so that's what attracted me to it. And I got in the industry in 2015 and I haven't looked back since. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember the first time I, I flew my drone and I was like, this is crazy, you know, and the video and you're right. Uh, if, if it bites you, boy, it's, it's tough to not get more involved. And the price of drones have really come down too, right? I mean, you can get in for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, you can get in with basic systems. You can buy now even like at Costco, there's little tiny systems to start with that are like 39 bucks. And- oh, wow, that low. Uh, they're not super easy yeah. to to fly, but right. they're but a good starter. Yeah, amazing. If I was yeah. if I had those toys when I was growing up, yeah, like, oh. yeah. Matthew Johnson, he is the CEO of M3 Aerial Productions Western Drone Show May third here in Winnipeg. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there emceeing Western Drone dot show Western Drone dot show.
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.